Yeah, it reminds me of um, uh, a video of when if there's a video of Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Hussle talks about that when you're being overwhelmed, think about why you started. Mm-hmm. Right. You wanted to be put in that position. Obviously, there is certain dynamics based on like if you're just having a shitty day and you have to show up regardless, um, you didn't ask to have a shitty day. But it's more of if you're feeling stressed, like your business is tanking or maybe there's a lot on your schedule and you have this, this, this and that to do today and you still have to achieve something else. Like it, it, it's like, remember why you started. Remember why you jumped and took that leap of faith in the, in the beginning and, and go through the pain and go through the overwhelming and stress, because that's why you, this is what, that's what you're asking for. Um, and it's yeah. good. That's a good sign. It's not a bad sign. Search for oh, yeah. a new set of rules. Right is a little used to the man who has betrayed his soul. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's All right. a million other people. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paradigm. We hope you're doing great today and you're better than you were yesterday. This week, we're discussing chapter four from David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, titled Taking Souls. Make sure before we start the content, you subscribe to the video, click that little bell, like the video, leave a comment because we love feedback, and follow us on all our social media platforms. All the information will be in the description below. And with that, we'll get started. I want to know what was your guys' favorite part of the chapter and why. Let's start with John. Okay. Uh, probably my favorite part of this chapter is uh, when he's going through. I got on the page. But when he's going through the, the buds, and he uh, he met Freak. You know, because it's their second time around, and he's like, "Me, you, Freak, we top the boat. We're the, we're the two pillars whole time." And he's like, "Let's go!" And the whole time they had the have like they had the strongest part of the whole thing. And uh, I just like the aspect, you know, building the team mentality and stuff. It helps you through anything, right? And he did that. The, his second go around, he's like, "This is how we can do it. And we have morale in our oh team too. You can't beat us." Yeah. I, I fuck with that. I think when you build Hell the team, yeah. you're close to the group of people, you're able to overcome adversity. The other things, you know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How about you, Devin? Um, I would say uh, it's or sort of along the lines of just the challenge when he starts to talk about uh, the tactic. Um, uh, towards the end of the chat, uh, I'm not sure what page would be for you guys, but on mine, it's like page 120 on my Kindle. Um, at the very end of a paragraph, he says, it's a mind game you're playing on yourself. Um, the tactic that he's referring to is creating, uh, taking souls. And he des- describes what taking souls actually means. Um, and especially w- with the example John just gave, like the, when he, he when he meets Freak, um, it's like they're they're playing a psychological game rather than a physical game with their instructors. Um, they're trying to out outwit them mentally um, and trying to get in their instructor's head, um, realizing like the physical thing is one aspect, but if you can't mentally, that's why a hundred people fall out of that the, the buds program because they mentally can't do it. It's draining. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's it really is a mind game against yourself. It's not against anybody else. Like if you can't beat yourself, you're not going to be beat the external world. So. Oh, that yeah. was a big, big takeaway. Yeah, that was. And dude, when he's great. talking to, when he's talking about like his knee, like being swollen up, and like they're still doing four, <laughs> four mile runs and shit. I was like, bro, dude, they really are built different, you know? Yeah. Bro, when, he had, when he had him swim out in the ocean, like and by himself, <laughs> like yeah, figure it out. Yeah. How about you, David? What was your favorite part? Uh. I absolutely love the part where they're super exhausted and in order to let the uh, the 
like the the um the higher ups know that they're just they're just built different is when he's like we're gonna lift this fucking boat and we're gonna throw it on top and then catch it and then touch the the, the sand with it and it was just like looking at him dead in their eyes like you can't <laughs> you can't fuck with with boat crew too and yeah. that all of their pain and exhaustion sort of faded away and they're using this like hidden uh fuel inside of them which is just the the second much, win the, the, yeah the pain the, and the aggression that they had towards you know the the sergeants who were just going home sleeping at night with their wives and everything while they're over here just like dying so that shit was super inspiring to me it makes me just want to be like every time i feel that that exhaustion that i can tap into something you know harder than that yeah, yeah hell yeah i thought that, that was, was like crazy. crazy did you guys yeah. know that he went he was in the same class as Kyle, um, Chris Kyle. Dude, I, know, I had no idea. I read that. Oh I was like, wait, dude, what? Yeah. Who is, who is boat team two, bro? They got Chris Kyle, David Coggins. Yeah. Freak. Like, who are these guys? They're the Avengers, bro. Like, that's like a, like, Yo, a facts. movie. Facts, though, dude. That was crazy. They should make a movie covering that, that whole, that class, 231. It should be, it, yeah. the movie should be yeah. called 231. I had no idea. Like, what are the like, that's crazy. Damn, yeah, that was pretty nuts when I read that, too. Hey, did you guys look up videos of uh, uh, Hell Week? I looked up a bunch of YouTube videos, and it dude, it looks intense as fuck. Yeah, I, I actually want to see that. It's like, yeah, I think I got a vivid description, though, of what it would be like. <laughs> he, he's a really good storyteller, dude. I've been just consuming the chapter in one sitting. It's crazy. I'm like, okay, yeah. what do I do for the rest of the week? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so uh, my favorite part, I have a quote um, with some, it's kind of paraphrased as well, but on page 122, it says, once you're in the heat of battle, it comes down to staying power. That means rehearsing answers to the simple question that is sure to rise up like a thought bubble. Why am I here? If you know that moment is coming and have your answer ready, you will be equipped to make the split decision to ignore your weakened mind and keep moving. Know why you're in the fight to stay in the fight. <clears throat> and never forget that all emotional and physical anguish is finite. It all ends eventually. Smile at pain and watch it fade. And that may be enough to catch a second wind. And once you have that second win behind you, it's easy to break your opponent down and snatch a soul. The hard part is getting to that point because the ticket to victory often comes down to bringing your very best when you feel your very worst. Mm -hmm. And so the reason why I, I, that really stood out to me, I have it written down as well as I know every single person here and watching has been in a tough situation that has tested their resolve. And inevitably the simple question, question arose, why am I here? Many have folded in that moment, but the greatest of us have their why memorized and carved into their brain. You must know why you're in the fight to stay in the fight rings the loudest. The ticket to victory often comes down to bringing your very best when you feel your very worst. Remember, self-doubt and anxiety when it comes to purpose means you're exactly where you're meant to be. And so that really stood out to me because, I mean, I can't say I relate with Bud's training at all, but I know a lot of people can relate by being in a really tough situation when you feel at your very worst, whether that's at school, whether that's in military training, whether that's at work. But in those moments, the really great people show up as their very best when they feel their very worst. So I thought it was 
it just really stood out to me. Page 120 through 122 had a lot of really, really good spots in it. Yeah, it reminds me of um, uh, a video of when if there's a video of Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Hussle talks about that. When you're being overwhelmed, think about why you started. Mm-hmm. Right. You wanted to be put in that position. Obviously, there is certain dynamics based on like if you're just having a shitty day and you have to show up regardless, um, you didn't ask to have a shitty day. But it's more of if you're feeling stressed, like your business is tanking or maybe there's a lot on your schedule and you have this, this, this and that to do today and you still have to achieve something else. Like it, it, it's like, remember why you started. Remember why you jumped and took that leap of faith in the, in the beginning and, and go through the pain and go through the overwhelming and stress, because that's why you, this is what, that's what you're asking for. Um, and it's yeah. good. That's a good sign. It's not a bad sign. Oh yeah. It, it reminds me when he talked about like the second win and like, you know, trying to find the hidden power, just playing sports, basketball or boxing. Like I'm sure when, when we play basketball, like the third, fourth, fifth game, everyone's tired of shit, you know, but like I remember to myself, I was like, I feel like this. They gotta be this. If I get yeah. to squeeze out a little bit more, like I'm gonna, you know, that's gonna be my edge. Or like when I used to box, like there's timers and stuff. Like towards like the last round, you're like, yo, I feel like shit. But if I can just make yeah. the guy think that I make the other guy think that I don't feel like shit, he's gonna fold because like he's gotta be feeling the way I do. I'm tired of shit. I'm gonna trick him into oh, thinking yeah. I'm like I'm not tired, right? And that that'll like break him. That'll take his soul. He's like, fuck it, dude. He's got more energy than me. But yeah. It's like a bluff. Definitely. Yeah, I think I can relate when it comes to basketball. Like, I think after like the third or fourth game, everybody's tired. And I'm like, all right, let's play another one. Everybody's like, God damn. I know. You do that shit. That shit makes, yeah, that shit makes, I'm like, no, Jay, give me a second. I don't want to play. <laughs> no water. Let's go. It was it's it's no it's interesting how he, how he puts it into perspective, how where they choose to be there, but then they start to have those thoughts like, I could be with my wife right now. Like, why am I doing? Mm-hmm. Why am I choosing to yeah. be here right now? And so that's a, re- a big reason that uh, he was stating that a lot of men can't make it through is because they start to have those thoughts. Like, I could be cuddled up with my wife and see my kids or whatever. And at the right. end of the day, the the this uh, the Bud S trading, Bud's training, is a choice. You, there's no one that's drafted into that. You choose to go into right. that pretty right. well, uh, knowing right. the consequences. So yeah, definitely, it's very crazy. So. Um, before I jump in the summary, I want to recommend everybody go pick up the book. This is what it looks like. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Highly inspirational. Different type of human over here. Um, but read along with us. Tell us what you think of the book. We really, really enjoy it, and we know you will, too. All right, so the summary, I'm going to jump on in. <clears throat> this chapter begins in Bud's Navy SEAL training where David and others were chilling in the common room, getting pumped up for the battle they knew they had coming. When explosions rang off and Psycho Pete burst in screaming orders, David states, this war was all right, but it wouldn't be fought on some foreign shore. This one, like most battles in life, would be won or lost in our own minds. Basic or uh, Bud's basic underwater demolition SEAL training is six months long and divided into three phases. Phase one, physical training, phase two, dive training, and third phase is land warfare training. But Hell Week was an an entirely different beast. David shares it's medieval and comes at you fast, detonating in just the third week of training. That's a test that goes way beyond the physical and reveals your mindset, which is exactly what it's designed to do. Psycho Pete, one of the officers running the show, lingered like a shadow none of the possible recruits could shake. He was always there laughing, screaming, or quietly taunting them to their faces. 
attempting to burrow into the brain of any man he tried to break. Hell Week offers no love, especially on day one, hour one, the possible recruits were standing, linking arms, facing the Pacific Ocean, wading in and out of the 59 to 63 degree surf for hours. The possible recruits would be subject to sleep depravity for 130 hours straight. David shares, there is no way to systematically attack it, which is why every single person who has ever tried to become a SEAL has asked himself one simple question during their first dose of torture. Why am I here? Nobody has to become a SEAL. Becoming a SEAL is a choice. It's voluntary torture and makes no sense to the rational mind, which is why those four words unravel so many men. Crazy thing is, this wasn't David's first time tasting the evil of Hell Week. He was pulled out on medical after contracting double pneumonia. He defied orders and tried to remain in the fight, but was eventually rolled back from class 230 to class 231. David was assigned to boat crew two, boat crew two with, as he puts it, square peg misfits. David took the lead of boat crew two from the beginning and getting all of them through Hell Week was his singular focus. David assigned himself and Freak Brown to the front of front and heaviest portion of the boat. Freak Brown was no joke, but you'll have to purchase the book to find out why. Hell Week was a mind game. The instructors use our suffering to pick and peel our, away our, our layers. Not to find the fittest athlete, but to find the strongest minds. David continues, that's something the quitters didn't understand until it was too late. By Wednesday of Hell Week, everybody was breaking down. David states, we were all broke, dick, chafed to holy hell. Our whole bodies were one big raspberry oozing pus and blood. <laughs> Mentally, we were zombies. David was in need of something to fuel him and boat crew to boat crew to. So he deployed a process he now calls taking souls. He turned to freak Brown while they lowered the boat and then lifted it overhead like creaky robots on reserve power and asked, you know why I call you freak? Because you're one of the baddest men I've ever seen in my life. Freak cracked a smile. David continues, and you know what I say to those motherfuckers over there? As he motioned to the nine instructors on the beach, I say they can go fuck themselves. Now let's throw this shit up high and show them who we are. Within seconds, all of boat crew two had life. They didn't just lift the boat. They continually set it down hard and threw it up. Their pain and exhaustion faded to the dismay of the instructors. Taking someone's soul means you've gained a tactical advantage. David states, Life is all about looking for tactical advantages. You must do your own homework, know the terrain you're operating in, when and where you can push the boundaries, and when you should fall in line. This will inevitably test you. This means rehearsing answers to that one simple question that is sure to rise up. Why am I here? David states, know why you're in the fight to stay in the fight. Never forget that all emotional and physical anguish is finite. It all ends eventually. The ticket to vi victory often comes down to bringing your very best when you feel your very worst. The chapter continues with them going through budge training and successfully making it through 30 of the over 100 people that enlisted in becoming a recruit, which brings us to challenge four. So with that being said, uh, thank you, Jay, for the summary. We're going to go into challenge four. And again, these challenges for our listeners uh, are follow people who follow along with us. It's meant to sort of engage you to try these challenges yourself. So for challenge four, uh, it starts off by saying, choose any competitive situation that you're in right now. 
ask yourself, who is your opponent? Is it your teacher, your coach, your boss, unruly client? No matter how they're treating you, there's one way to not only earn their respect, but turn the tables. And David Goggins follows that with the word of excellence. That means acing, acing an exam or crafting an ideal proposal or smashing a sales goal. Whatever it is, I want you to work harder on that project or in that class than you ever have before. Do everything exactly as they ask. And whatever standard they set is an ideal outcome, you should be aiming to surpass that. If your coach doesn't give you time in the games, just dominate the practice. Check the best guy on your squad and show the fuck out. That means putting time in, in and off the field. Watching films so you can study your opponent's tendencies, memorizing plays and training in the gym, you need to make that coach pay attention. If it's your teacher, then start doing work of high quality. Spend extra time on your assignments. Write papers for her that she didn't even assign. Come early to class, ask questions, pay attention, show her who you are and who you wanna be. If it's a boss, work around the clock, get to work before them, leave after they go home. Make sure they see that shit and when it's time to deliver, surpass their maximum expectations. Whoever you're dealing with, your goal is to make them watch you achieve and what they could never have done themselves. You want them thinking how amazing you are. Take their negativity and use it to dominate their task with everything you got and take their soul. So with that being said, um, what souls. taking souls, yep. Uh, who wants to go first? Is there anyone that would like to share uh, their competitive situation that they're in right now? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I really want to like think about something that's like really creative, but I feel like I, to be honest, I don't have anything like a coworker or like a boss or a teacher. Um, again, I think my, ourselves are our greatest opponents, our enemies. Um, I think that was a big reason why I wanted to get into, uh, I, I want to get into, um, being being like a my my physique physically uh attractive physically good looking fit whatever you want to call it but i me personally i want to be bigger i want to be so that's a battle within myself just because i have a specific image or a spe um, specific uh, appearance that i want to go by physique wise um i have other things in my life such as business or trading that like where um I could look at the markets, for instance, and be like, that's a competitor. But understanding that if you're looking at trying to beat the markets, you're you actually are reversing the psychology on yourself where it could be uh, quite harmful because you think you're um, you're going to beat the markets every day or every week or every month, um, which you should just go with the market. So I would say physically, absolutely. My number one enemy, my number one uh, person to beat is myself. And it does give me a boost or a, a, a rush when someone else is working out next to me, or if I'm running and so, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, in my own mind, I'm, I'm in a competition with this person. Like, you know what I mean? I think people think like that all the time at the gym, right? Why people, why people, when you're, when we're working out, you hear people like, ooh, ooh, doing these loud ass, like, and <laughs> everybody does that. And so I think it's, it's a, it's a psychological thing to maybe get into other people's heads. Maybe it's a, um, but I don't know. I think the biggest one for me is probably physical. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's it's like my own physical way of looking at myself. Okay. So in the physical manner, when you're at your very worst or you feel like you're in a weakened mind, 
um, what is your plan of attack for being in those moments? Go harder. So um, last week, David decided we got uncomfortable, right? We were running. Uh, this is my first time. I've this is very. I've never done this before. Ran uh, for four days out of the week. Ran um, at five o'clock in the morning. Ran two miles at five o'clock in the morning. I've never done that before. I think the closest thing that I've done, closest thing to that I've done, was probably back in high school when we'd wake up and if you had PE in the morning, you'd run a mile. Um, but that that sense of uh, uh, just go, going go get it attitude, and especially I think when I'm down bad, it's mainly when I'm eating like shit or I feel like I look at myself. I'm like, bro what is going on? Like you were just like looking really good. And now it's like, you're adding on weight or you're adding on stuff that you shouldn't be adding on. And so the, this, the following week, the following week will be like a stronger mentality. It's like, nope, there's no cutting. There's no doing shortcuts this week. There's no eating out. There's no eating junk food at all. Cause you got to enjoy that last week or the weekend or whatever it may be. So it's like, you go harder than what you usually go or how I usually go. I go harder than, the normal uh, day. Okay. Mm. Um, so David states that you got to know your why you're in the fight to stay in the fight. So what is your reason why? Um, to promote good for physical, because I can do both for the physical and the finance part, such as business and the looking at the market. But for physical, just to be a, a, a light, a, a guide to other people that want to, if it's physically look good if it's to eat healthy to build muscle um it's one field that i really might go into maybe nutritionist maybe a personal trainer but i really enjoy working out i really enjoy my physical um, ability um, being outdoors hiking things like that things that take physical endurance um, and you get a benefit out of that physical appearance so if people are looking to do that um, but not just for me, for people around me that um, need guidance, right? I have family members that deal with a lot of stuff too. So I think it's just being a lighthouse to others. It's not just a benefit for me, but looking at the markets and understanding how to trade and how to um, have your money work for you and your business and your um, investment accounts, your portfolios, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's a deeper sense of wanting financial freedom. You, you, we want to live on our own terms. We don't want to be owned by our time. We want to own our time. Um, so I think that's a big, big why for me. And it's, it's for my family, for my friends, um, all the people I can provide for. And so if I have time freedom, I have financial freedom, I have money coming in, when I don't have to spend hours on end working, then it makes life a lot easier and I can give back a lot too. So awesome. I think that pushes me forever. Oh, yeah. All right. That's a good one. So let's turn our attention to John. How about you? What was your competitive situation and who was your opponent? So it took me a little while thinking about it. I could think back to the past where I definitely had someone like an opponent, an old foreman where uh, maybe the stuff he'd mentioned there could have helped me. Like maybe I could have showed up early before him. So when he was trying to be a dick, I could have been like, where are you at, buddy? I'm already getting rolling. And maybe I could have stayed later and really just been like, living rent free in his head right i'm thinking of like all the stuff i could have used to like get inside his head uh as of right now with my current situation i would say my biggest opponent is probably myself and my time management just because um you know i wake up real early do stuff with ace and then i gotta also i build a lesson plan for school and then after school like i gotta do stuff with ace again because he's been inside but like i still want to work out right and i still gotta read and i still want to contribute um so 
and then I'm still trying to train like Devin on the market. And so I think my biggest opponent right now is my own time management and what do I value? Like, what do I give my time to? You know, uh, I tend to be, want to be selfish and give my time to working out and an ace, you know, but like, it's not, it's not everything. So I got to find other outlets to do things. Right. Okay. So what's your uh, plan of action when you feel like you're in a weakened mind state? Um, man, it's funny. Whenever I'm in a weakened mind state, it, I just want to go to the gym. Okay. <laughs> it makes me feel better. Uh, helps me okay. like kind of like de-stress. I'm like, okay, dude, everything's not a big deal. Like the stuff I got to do for school, you'll handle it. Like, you know, you don't got to be a rocket scientist to do this shit. Um, so whenever I feel overwhelmed, just hitting the gym, going for like a long run or walk helps me clear my mind. Awesome. Okay. So another question is like David states, you need to know why you're in the fight to stay in the fight. So what is your why? My why. And ever since I was been young, I want to be someone great. Like I want to be like, the, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be something like, I want to have an impact on these kids. You know, a uh, great can mean a lot of things. So I just don't want to be mediocre with my life. So mm. a mediocre person, I always tell myself, a mediocre person doesn't do this shit. That's why you're doing it, you know? So okay. I want to be better than average. You know, I want to be great. So okay. that's my why. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right, turning our attention, David, what is your response to Challenge 4? Who, what competitive situation are you in now? And who is your um, opponent? Sort of on the same wavelength as John. You know, my biggest opponent right now, and, and maybe for a majority of the remainder of my life is just going to be myself. Uh, having one person to say, I, I can't really put a name on it, but maybe just uh, other designers in, in Fresno or other gra graphic designers. Um, if if that, that might be something that it is a whole that's like, I have to challenge myself to uh, be a better graphic designer amongst um other ones in, in Fresno, uh, maybe that's maybe that's like a, an opponent per se. But again, that one I feel like just ties back to myself because if that is my challenge or that is my opponent is myself, then I have to, you know, uh, it's all about keeping myself accountable and in meeting my own goals and and time management. It's a huge one. Same same thing with John. Okay. So, um, what is your plan of action? Uh, how to attack being your own op worst opponent, biggest opponent. Forcing myself to embrace, you know, pain and, and just being uncomfortable and doing things, even if I feel like I don't want to do it. Mm. I got to teach myself good habits uh, and great habits, mm. even if it's, it's just not fun. You know what I mean? Like life isn't all about having fun. It's great to have fun, but I can't be having fun or or enjoying those those fruits of my work because uh, it, or I won't be able to do that if I'm not holding myself accountable. And a part of the the plan of action was like again, like Devin said last week, we ran uh, two miles about four days out of the week, um, and just waking up at. 4.30, 4.45, getting out running and being awake, like fully awake while everybody was sleeping still was just like a really good feeling. And I liked that I was holding myself accountable 
and I was just making more time to do more creativity time, more research, and allowing myself the time that I need to make great work for my uh, my business and my work. And it's just it's awesome. I love being I love being able to hold other people accountable, but it's it's tough to hold yourself accountable. But the benefits that I see from holding yourself accountable to the goals that you want to do in life, I think it's it feels so good. It just makes you want to go harder and say, you know, fuck it. If this is what it takes and I'm, I'm going to do it and I'm going to prove myself wrong or prove myself right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So do you know your why? My why? Mm-hmm. My why is. It's because I have other people depending on me. I have myself that I want to prove, but, you know, I have my little brother, uh, my family, my mom and dad, uh, girlfriend, you know, um, close friends. I just I need to be the best version of myself mm-hmm. for not only myself, but I like to resonate with the idea that there's just people depending on me. So I got to I got to put out and I got to put in put in the work. Oh, yeah. Even Jeff, if I feel like I don't want to. Jeff, something you wanted to say Dude, now? Uh, well, two things. One the thing you brought up like in my head. But um, David said uh, it just makes him want to go harder, especially when you start seeing fruit from all like, the extra labor you've been putting in. Like you start maybe looking better physique-wise in the mirror. You've been on muscle. And you're like, damn, if, if, if I saw this much with doing this much, what if I doubled down? Or like even in the market, you're putting in time, like train time, you're learning charts, you're learning the personality, and you start making some money, and you're like, damn, what if I double that? Like like what if I put in more time? Like once you start seeing fruit, I think that really gets people, you know, going. And anybody. And uh mm. David said, uh, because people are dependent on him. It's funny. This is like uh it's kinda dope. No one depends on me. That made my dog. It's pretty free, to be honest. <laughs> like <laughs> like you're, no one gives a shit or- depend on you. That's true. My students do depend on me. You're right. I guess I mean in like my private life, like when I come home, like my time's like for me. I guess my students do depend on me. You're right. So, yeah. but that's like work. People, people at work always depend on you for something. That's why you're there. Oh yeah. yeah. Um. So for myself, I kind of broke it down into its two parts. But the competitive situation I wrote out was life's four dimensions. Um. And my own biggest opponent, I would say, is uh, my own mediocre Can- mind. Can you uh, explain the four dimensions to someone who's not familiar with it? Do you have that yeah. knowledge on top of your head? Yeah. Um, so in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, authored by Stephen R. Covey, he mentions life's four dimensions. And there's mental, physical, social, and emotional are a package in one, and spiritual. And so that's the competitive situation I'm in now is developing myself in those four life's four dimensions and battling my own mediocre mind. Um, I think I mentioned it here before, but Robert Kiyosaki has a quote that says, am I listening to my mediocre mind or my inner genius? And so that's my biggest opponent is my mediocre mind. Um, Inside my own head, there's a voice of a mediocre man. It says, retreat to quadrant four. It's relaxed there, you can chill. This is the greatest lie of every person's life. Not that it's relaxed and chill, but you can't develop to greatness by living in quadrant four majority. And uh, so for myself, finding a plan of action of how to attack that, um, I, you know, the gym's been really helpful with that. Um, I picked up running. I'm not doing four times a week, but uh, 
I've been maybe doing like three, three times a week, waking up at six and doing some running. Uh, that's been really good because, you know, it, it gets you ready and primed for what's going to happen in the day. I feel like, uh, oh, yeah. so I've been really enjoying that. So my plan of action on how to attack that is, is kind of paying attention to like my mindscape and how the, the inner voice or, um, intuition is kind of talking, uh, kind of on as a man thinketh being aware of what you're thinking because you tend to lean into that. Mm -hmm. And so go ahead. No, I'm just agreeing with you. Totally. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, if inside my head, it's like, Hey, you need to just go chill, man, just go chill. You can do this later or go chill. You could still, you could still do it. You know, um, that voice leads to a, a mediocre below or below average lifestyle. Um, if you want to pursue greatness, you got to listen to the inner genius in there. Just like, I don't know, you could even imagine it as David Goggins voice, like it's time to get up. It's time to go to work. Um, so my plan of action is, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Keep going. Okay. So my plan of action for that would be, um, recognizing when I'm falling into that and not really, uh, embodying that idea, but just feeling it, letting it pass over and going even harder in the tasks that I'm doing whether that's scientific literature, whether that's teaching, whether that's grading, the gym, whatever it might be, kind of putting that to the side, letting it kind of pass over because you don't have to embody every thought that you have. And so yeah. um, going even harder. Uh, and that's, you know, that's easy to say, but um, I think genuinely with a plan of action, knowing your why kind of helps you pass through that. Uh, and, and kind of go through that wall head on. And so for myself, what is your why? So right now I'm kind of in the same boat as John in terms of I have students, um, but I, you know, I know they're depending on me, but that's not going to be my biggest why. Um, I think for myself, my biggest why is that I have people depending on me in terms of like future family. I need to develop into a great man in order to provide the best possible circumstance I can for my future family, where my wife, uh, my kids. So keeping that in mind that in order to create greatness, you have to first be greatness yourself. So my why would be that my future family is depending on me. And um, in order to be a great man, you have to put in the work now. Yeah, man. What's, um, so your why like, is that, is, is that like your predominant why is like your future family, your future existence of, uh, obviously we don't know the, the future exists, but is that sort of what keeps you going, keeps you like moving forward in that right direction? Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest one. I'd say I have a list of them. Uh, like I want to be a, a competent scientist that people can look up to, but, um, the biggest why would be like, I want to be great, have great habits, traits, behaviors, um, before I have a family in order to instill that in my own kids. Yeah. I, I took, um, this, this, a lot, a lot of the stuff we're reading from this book, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing Jordan, Jordan Peterson talked about it too. Accountability, um, how David Goggins is describing it is a little different. Um, how we're in a battle amongst ourselves. Cause a lot of the times it's our own minds that are defeating us. It's no one else. No one can control you. No one can tell you how to feel. No one can tell you to where to be show up. Um, so if, if, if the majority of the answers are, um, 
to like our answers are ourselves, then it's really dependent on us and not negotiating with your feelings. Stop negotiating with your mind. Stop giving your that giving yourself that capability to learn or to 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 uh, experience something that doesn't really matter because your feelings aren't real. It's you're allowing them to be real and be spoken to existence. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I was trying to find this quote right uh, right now, and I did. Um, I think with people watching our videos, our podcasts, and reading the books, um, learning through like what we may what we want to achieve right with family um physique finances a uh, career um obviously this is, we're playing the marathon we're playing the game of survival we're not trying to achieve this overnight and i think we're we're leading in that that we're leading a perfect example of not living in instant gratification um and i think over time watching back on our videos we'll see that right the, the journey over time we'll see that but um, the quote that I got for some reason, I it really stuck to this chapter. Um, it's, I don't know if you guys heard it. It's uh, fools learn from experience. Wise men learn from experience of fools. Um, so people that learn from others that have already made the mistake sort of prevent the mistake from happening again. And they want to, they won't pr uh, perform the mistake because they watch someone else do it. Um, mm. I think David Goggins, just him going through his sales training and us reading this book, like, He's trying to show people like, bro, I was, I didn't have like, did I, there was my why, if anything, my why was just some thought in my head and I wanted to achieve something greater than the, the hundred yeah. men that fell through the program. <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. So, so let me, ask, let me ask you this off that. Cause I, I like, well, I've heard it before. I like reference that sometimes. Yeah. Um, how do you guys think you learn? Do you guys think you learn? The way of a wise man or do you guys think you typically follow the way of the fool and have the experience and learn from your own mistakes for me personally, me personally I think, go ahead john i would say i'm always like the fool uh like that's the way that's what i like to learn even if someone tells me you can't do it that way and like, they're like i've already tried i have to just do it myself and fail uh even even if i like even if it's been written out it's like well i don't know man maybe like, maybe i can make it work you know so mm -hmm. I've just found that out about myself. I always got to give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. If I think um, I can. Yeah, uh, I, I would say a perfect example is I've, I've experienced this, like just from my own, with trading. Um, now I'm jotting, I'm journaling everything, how I feel. And I see myself doing 100% better. And I've already been trading for about a year and a half, two years now. And I'm, I barely started journaling my trades journaling my emotions journaling my feelings journaling journaling my my setups and i'm already seeing a benefit but i when i first started trading i remember people instructors or mentors or whatever you want gurus saying journal your feelings journal your thought or journal your trades journal journal, journal but i never did and i had to take the mistake of maybe losing money or not learning correctly or uh, not applying what i'm learning um in a proper form uh so i learned the law, it took me a lot longer to learn that. And now I'm back at the, at, at day one, like journal your trades, journal, journal, journal. And now I see like, when I look back, I'm like, I see why I took that trade. I see why I wanted to get in the market. I see. And so now I'm learning a lot faster and I wish I would have done that earlier, but Hey, I was a fool like for that specific thing earlier, but then I learned and, and wise men were trying to teach me earlier. So, but I didn't listen. Yeah. Uh, I think for myself, 
you know, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, and when it comes to school, I typically take what my teachers have to say and run with it. Uh, because they were, the that, fools at one, yeah. they, were, they were the fools at one point and they learned by making mistakes and they're like, Hey, look, this is how you do it. Don't do it any other way. And like even Waka, so you have, there's this thing called strikes and dips, but you, you have a compass to do it, right? You have a compass to measure angles. You have a compass to measure uh, bearings. And so he's like, uh-huh. don't do what I do. Like I follow the book here. Here's how you do it. Do it just like this. But he'll be out there in the field. He'll be like, yeah, that's about 270, 60 degrees. And we'll be like, you know, how, how do you even know that? And it's, it's through experience. It's through experience over and over. That makes and over sense. Again. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't do that because like that can lead to mistakes, but, um, he's that good. So, but, yeah. so I just, well, I, I typically I, I take remember Jay yeah. fucking, t- uh, give me so much information about working out and exercise from like his own, just like research and stuff. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like I end up doing the same stuff. Not because of research, it's because like through trial and error, like what works for me. But yeah. you have like, so I think you're good at that. I think you're pulling about pulling information. Yeah, I like. I typically like to do the research beforehand, and now grad school, that's all it's about. And so, um, it's a test in that. Cool. What about you, David? Do you have any experience uh, that you felt like you were full in and, and kind of uh, experienced it as a fool, but you you were told or taught another way, or maybe you learn as a fool and you apply it that way. Or, or do you think um, you're good? About, do you think you're good about learning from other people's experiences? I'd say I'm. I'm very um, because I'm prone to analysis paralysis. The way I learn is I'm very observant about what people go through before I sort of make my decision. There's like pros and cons to that, you know. Um, but yeah, I typically like to just watch what people are saying, and and take it as like okay, I. Okay, maybe I should do this then. If if this is the way this person is doing it, then I should do it that way. Um, I'm not typically one to try and learn by myself certain things. I'm not very strong-headed in that that sense. Where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'll I'll just figure it out. You know, um, I typically I typically yeah. try and listen. Um, so that was chapter four from "Can't Hurt Me" by David Goggins. Again, we hope you pick up the book. We hope you enjoy this podcast. We look forward to seeing you in the next one. Before you take off, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the li- the little bell so you hear the ding. <laughs> like the videos. Make sure you drop a comment. Follow us on all our social media platforms. They will be down in the description below. And never, ever forget, the work you put in now equals who you are tomorrow. Maybe you're the protagonist in your story, but like there's a million other people.